This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Welcome back to the first Brojo Online for 2018. And I hope you guys had an alright year. My year was uh, fucking difficult. So I'm looking forward to 2018 being a little gentler on me. Maybe using a bit of lube before it bends me over and fucks me, as opposed to last year, who just went in dry. But that's okay, it gave me lots of growth opportunities, and whatever else I can do to reframe it to make it sound like it was better than it was. Anyway, I'm here, I survived, I didn't die, I'm a stronger person because of it, and so some part of me should be grateful, I'm sure. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about communication. I had a email from one of the Brojo Bowies, and he says, I'd like to listen to your life story on how you developed your conversational skills. When you speak, I have the impression that you can effectively deliver your message to others without giving them a bad impression, like you're so bossy or something stupid like that. Because I believe when you were still a probation officer, you could influence the prisoners regardless of their attitude towards you. So I'd like to hear your tips on what you do and the subtle things that we might forget when we communicate to other human beings. So thanks to my man for sending that through. I think that was Henry who sent that one through. Yeah, this will, this will be an interesting one to, to go over. I'm not going to cover my whole life story, but what I will do is go through some basic points around what I think most people do wrong when they're trying to connect deeply with other people and what you should do instead in my opinion, from my experiences and my learning. And also have a look at, in the end, I'll, I'll focus on one of the most important things for you to focus on to create a deep and memorable connection. And I'll tell you right now, it is not about technique. It's not about a skill set in terms of communication, like how you speak or tactical strategies. It's kind of about the opposite of that. We'll talk more about that as we go. Thanks again, Henry, for sending that through. And let's have a look at it. I'm going to start with having a look at what I think people do wrong. Uh, the first thing is mind reading. So we humans, we like to believe that we can read minds. We might not put it in these sort of terms, but we constantly make assumptions about what other people are thinking, and we have a level of certainty attached to these assumptions that is uh, just beyond credible. And we think we know what people are thinking, we think we know what they're feeling. The more we've been around someone, the longer we've known someone, the more we believe these assumptions, and so the less likely we are to challenge them. And this is why you get uh, people in relationships who've been together for many years, and still can surprise each other, because they've long ago given up actually exploring each other and finding out the deeper truth. An example of, of how mind reading fucks you up is uh, I was doing a dance class in, in Auckland and the instructor for the class kept making it more and more complicated and it was getting beyond the students. They couldn't keep up and yet, you know, they, they were so clearly confused and frustrated and exasperated and yet he kept increasing the difficulty level. What I found out later is he misread their facial expressions as boredom. He thought they were bored, when actually what he was seeing was the, the desperate concentration of somebody trying to learn something. 
And so boredom and trying to learn something looks very similar on the face. You know, it's a kind of poker-faced look as your brain is so busy with confusion it doesn't have time to, like, control the muscles of the face. And so it's very easy to misread. And what he's done is he made this grand assumption that everybody in the room was bored. And so he kept trying to increase the difficulty to make it more interesting. And of course that made them look even more bored when actually they were just more confused. So this is a great example of mind reading and we all do this all the time. You constantly think you know someone. You think you know how they feel. You think you know what they're thinking. You think you can predict what they will think if you say something. And you're wrong. I couldn't put it more simpler. You, you're wrong. I've, I've got a degree in psychology. I worked with criminal offenders and was trained by top psychologists from around the world on how to read body language, how to investigate and explore people, how to diagnose people for certain things. I spent seven years in corrections, four of them working directly with offenders, four of them managing staff, and then I became a coach. I've spent basically the last decade plus some just reading people and getting to know them. And I still don't know what people are thinking most of the time. If I don't, and you don't have anywhere near that level of training and experience, then you're probably even further off the truth. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I say that to make you aware that just because it feels like you know something doesn't mean you actually know something. Now, why does this matter? Because if you're mind reading during a conversation, that means most of the conversation you're having is with yourself, not with the other person. You and your assumptions are talking to each other while the other person just mimes meaningless noise in the background. They're just, they're like having a TV on mute next to you while you talk to yourself. And so if you're wondering why people won't connect deeply with you or they seem to get frustrated or bored with you or whatever it is that's happening that you're not satisfied with, there's a pretty good chance it's because you're fucking not paying attention to them. You're making up their half of the conversation in your head. You're adding so many stories to what they say and do, misunderstanding them. And I see this all the time. I see people, like, jump in when somebody's halfway through saying something with this massive assumption, and I can clearly see they're wrong, and I can clearly see from the other person's reaction that they're wrong, and yet they don't seem to see it. They're so sure that they're right that they just blast on and, and the connection's lost. So, that's the first mistake I see people making the most of is, is mind reading. Thinking you know when actually you really never know what's going on, inside some, going on inside somebody. I mean, fuck, you barely know what's going on inside yourself, right? I mean, you think you can understand someone else better than you understand yourself? So, that's the first one. The second one, the real obvious one, trying to control their reactions. This is the other big mistake I see people make. This one's very common for people pleasers and such. I used to do this a lot. I was trying to make sure it's like playing chess when you're when you're in a conversation. You're three moves ahead, trying to ensure that their emotions will stay in a certain range. Uh, for example, if you want someone to be attracted to you, you're trying to keep them in some sort of pleasurable state. If you want someone to pay attention to you, you're trying to keep them focused, so on. You're trying to control their reactions, and by reactions we mean emotional state. So an example of this would be, I might be sitting across from a criminal offender who I'm managing on parole, and I've come to the assumption that his drug use is ruining his life, and he needs to see this. 
So what I'll do is I'll ask a lot of leading questions to try and trap them into admitting that drugs ruin their life. So I'm trying to get him into a guilty place, essentially. I'm not allowing him to go anywhere else. I'm not allowing him to uh, expand on the pleasures of using drugs, for example. I'm trying to just get him into this guilt hole where, you know, I ask him questions about how it affects his family and how his kids would feel looking up to him. These are all very loaded questions, you know. They're designed to just take his ego out and just beat the living shit out of it with a belt until he can look look up at me, you know, tears in his eyes and say, oh my god, I'm a terrible person, you're so right, well done, Dan. You know, that's that's what I did when I first got started. And the problem with this is, is if his if his drug use isn't really his issue, it's just a symptom of his issue, I'm going to miss that. I won't get that information because I'm, I'm already too busy trying to sell my story and trying to control his reaction to align with my story. And so this is, this is what we all do. We try to control people's reactions to align with a story that we've already made up. A really common story I see people making up is that somebody needs to have pleasurable emotions around me in order to like me. And if they have unpleasurable or unpleasant emotions around me, they'll dislike me. So this is where the people pleasers come in. They try to control people to being in this shallow range of pleasurable emotions. Happy, calm, easygoing, relaxed, curious. And they try to steer them away from emotions like anger, confusion, fear, doubt, disappointment, disapproval, dislike, all those sort of feelings. It's kind of like an underlying theme in your conversation. You might not even see it happening, but the topics you choose to speak about, the things you choose to show versus the things you choose to hide, they're all designed to make sure the other person's reaction stays within your comfortable range. Why do I think this is wrong to do? Well, it's fine if you're trying to manipulate someone. If you're trying to connect with someone, what it means is that they're only going to see a small piece of you. They're not going to see all of you. And you're only going to see a small piece of them. And so essentially these two small pieces will connect with each other, aka a superficial connection, while the mass of your surface, uh, the mass of who you are, remains hidden under the surface. You're like two icebergs connecting at the top uh, with these big, big masses underneath not being shown. So trying to control their reactions, trying to get them to feel a certain way while they're talking to you. That's one of the big mistakes people make. I've already kind of mentioned this one, but another mistake is stop listening to them and listening to your assumptions. So I want to expand on that a little bit more. And this is where someone will be halfway through saying something and you've already concluded what they're saying in your head. You think that you know where they're going with this. You've already decided the point they're trying to make. And you, you're kind of now, you're now impatient. You're, you're, you're pissed off that they're still talking because you've already got it, right? You're the master of all conclusions and you know how to read minds and you're an expert on, on human psychology. So they don't need to keep talking and filling in that space that you could be filling in with your awesome ideas and your clever conclusions. You just stop listening to them. You've tuned them out now and you can see it when somebody else does it. You can see they're like a, a dog straining on the leash, you know? You can see they've already given up listening, they're waiting for their turn to speak now, and yet the other person hasn't finished. Obviously the mistake with this is that you're wrong again. You don't know where they're going with this, you don't know the point they're trying to make. 
Maybe they don't even know the point they're trying to make yet. Maybe they need to say some stuff before they realize what they're actually talking about. So for you to jump ahead is massively arrogant. And yet we all do this. I do it too. So stop listening to them, listen to us sometimes. We're going to talk a little bit more about what to do instead. The next one I've got down here on my little list is rushing to an outcome. So for those of you who are outcome dependent during interactions, you want it to go somewhere specifically. You want a date to end up in the bedroom, you want a sale to be closed, you want the person to like you, you want the conversation to be over, whatever. There's some outcome you're trying to get to. You're not freely, spontaneously conversing in the moment. You're following a map that you've got in your head. You're trying to get there as quickly as possible. And again, you'll see a lot of interrupting when someone's doing this. You'll see threads being cut, by which I mean if a conversation's going off topic from what you want to be leading the person towards, you'll cut that and you'll go back to the thing that you're comfortable with. That's kind of rushing. You you can feel a pressure to get somewhere. You're frustrated when they're not on track and you get a dopamine rush when they do lead towards where you want to go. As opposed to just genuine curiosity about wherever it goes, just following the path rather than trying to carve the path. Now there are times where, where leadership's important, but we're not talking about you leading a team to an outcome. We're talking about you connecting with a person deeply, which is something different. Now, a lot of you will have outcome-dependent conversations as part of your work. If you work in basically any supply chain position, if you're either in sales or receiving in some way, you're going to have a lot of outcome-dependent conversations, and what will happen is you'll bring this home with you. You'll talk to your family like this, you'll talk to your friends like this even. Most importantly, you'll talk to new people, strangers, uh, people you're attracted to. You'll be trying to lead them somewhere. There's constantly the next goal you're trying to get to. The next date leads to marriage, leads to kids, whatever. There's this kind of uh, breadcrumbs that you're trying to follow. That eliminates 90% of what you could talk about. It's it's the kind of thing where you ask a lot of questions rather than just allowing them to redirect the conversation. And therefore you'll miss out again on that large mass that's hiding beneath the surface. You won't know what they really want to talk about, what they really have to say, if you keep guiding them down a narrow path. Uh, the next thing I've got on my list of things that people do wrong, judgmental as I am, is being judgmental. So judging them without realizing that you're doing it. An example I have of this, I was working with a guy, he got out on parole. Uh, he had been in prison for kicking the shit out of this little kid. It was like a nine-year-old kid. He like beat him half to death when he was, uh, when the parolee uh, was on meth. He used to be a drug addict. And he just, yeah, he was a drug dealer and he beat this kid half to death. So he got a pretty decent prison sentence. And when he got out, I had already decided he was a scumbag. I'd read what he had done. I thought there's no way a guy can beat up a kid this badly, savagely, and and have potential to be a good person. This must be a psychopath or a sadist or a sociopath of some kind. And when I met the guy, I kept having this kind of cognitive dissonance. He just didn't fit with what I thought he was. Uh, I didn't know that that's what I was seeing. I just felt weird about him he he was too friendly or too humble or too something and it just didn't sit right with me and then i i, I had to reflect uh, we used to have supervision 
where we had talked to our peers around what we've been doing that could call out our blind spots and so on. And I went and talked to a colleague, and I think that's what happened, I can't really remember. But anyway, I came to the realization that my prejudgment about him needed to be reassessed because he was showing a lot of counterfactual evidence. He was showing that what I thought he was didn't line up with what he was demonstrating to me. When I sort of reset from zero, I went through an experience with him where I said, look, I've, I've kind of prejudged you based on what you've done, and I need to get my head around who you actually are and not what your rap sheet is. Everything changed. Turns out, you know, what he had done was essentially his meth self. I learned this a long hard way that people on meth are not very authentic. Like, what somebody can do when they're on meth is very different to what they'd usually do as a essentially normal human being. And this guy, his monsters came out when he was on meth, but when he was clean, uh, he was a very productive person. He started, a, he started a business that ran very well in his first year. He got married, had kids. He learned how to manage confrontations properly with my help. Uh, he ended up becoming you know, one of the more productive members of society. And he just sort of showed that his past remained in the past. But I was actually holding back his growth at first because I had already given up on him. You'll do this as well. You think you know people and you don't even realize how judgmental you are. I mean, people are so fucking judgmental. We all are. We're trying to be tribal, you see. You're trying to see if someone's in or out, whether they're in your tribe or they're an enemy, whether they're better than you or worse than you. You're doing these constant assessments and they're happening at such a subconscious level that most of the time you don't even realize they're happening. You're not open-minded about a person, and they can feel that. Just like you can feel it when someone's prejudged you, when they're looking down on you or looking up to you or looking sideways at you. You can feel it. You don't know what it is. You can't point to it directly a lot of the time. Most judgments are very subtle and indirect, but you know it's happening. And when you know it's happening, what do you do? You shut down, don't you? You play to the role that you've been put in. You have a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy. If someone sees you as a dick, then you start being a dick to them. If they look up to you, you start getting arrogant. If they look down on you, you start feeling shy. If people prejudge you, you change, and they don't get to meet who you really are. Well, you're prejudging others. And you're preventing them from showing you who they really are. And you don't even know you're doing it. We'll talk a bit more about what you can do later on, but start with the assumption that you're doing it. Hey, if you're not doing it, great. Having the assumption won't harm you. But if you don't assume that you're being judgmental, then you'll always miss when it happens. And because you miss it, that kills your connections. And I've got to tell you, for most of the people listening to this, it might be your single greatest issue. The biggest blind spot you have, the reason you're not connecting deeper with people, is actually because you judge people. And you judge yourself, which also blocks you. And the last thing I see is more of a practical thing, is people stick with the expert topics. During a conversation, people try to keep the range of what's being spoken about in, in, a, in limitation. They try to make sure that nothing, the conversation never goes anywhere they're not comfortable with it going. You know, the greatest example I saw is this is actually growing up. I grew up in West Auckland, and... I swear 90% of the conversations between guys in West Auckland are about cars. And I'm not kidding. I mean fucking 90%. 
And I'm not a car guy. That's why I noticed it so much. I, I don't understand engines and stuff. I'm, I'm a creative mind more than an engineer mind. And so, so often I'd be bored half to death at parties as the conversation inevitably dragged back to engines and cars. And it was the same conversation over and over and over again. And this was in largely males, young males, who had to drink to socialize, who didn't show emotions, and were constantly trying to kind of look cool. So staying in the expert topics allowed them to talk about something, allowed them to communicate, but without stepping anywhere near something that might make them uncomfortable. Well, the thing is, if you spend your whole time talking about cars with people, they don't get to know you at all. They get to see a tiny niche of your preferences around motor vehicles, and that's it. That is less than 1% of who you are, for sure. And a lot of people do this. I'll see this in the um, in the dance scene as well. Like, there are a lot of dancers, if you get into a conversation with them, you feel like it's constantly dragged back to dancing. That's all they want to talk about. Events, moves, classes they took, people they've danced with. It's this safe topic that they know the other person will be interested in, and they know that they can talk about for quite a long time without running out of material. That, again, one of the biggest mistakes is it hides who you really are, and it prevents a spontaneous communication from taking place. It means you're just going to wind out the old tales that you've told a million times before, and they're going to do the same, and you may as well just play recordings of yourselves to each other, because it's going to be so unnatural and so prescripted. So, after all that negative shit, let's talk about what you can do instead. So what I'm going to do is now speak directly to each of those points and talk about what I've learned the long hard way to counter them. So let's talk about countering mind reading. The simple really is to challenge your assumptions. Is to assume that your assumption is wrong. It can be done in two ways. You can ask what they're thinking, and this is in the case of you really don't know and you genuinely are interested. Or you can share the assumption you've made and allow them space to challenge it and correct you. This is maybe 30% of my coaching technique. So when I'm coaching something, mostly what I, you know, a huge portion of what I do is sharing an assumption I made about what they've said and letting them correct me. Now, it doesn't really matter if I'm right or wrong because them hearing the assumption and correcting it will allow them to clarify what the truth is. What were they trying to say? What were they thinking and feeling? And that information is so helpful. They can do a lot of, uh, they can do a lot of positive uh, impact with that information. I've had other times where I've been coaching someone and I've been so sure that I knew what they were thinking that I spent a whole hour going down the wrong path with them. And then right at the very end, I had this one session with a guy and uh, he said he really wanted to improve his business. And I just dived on it. I didn't question it. I assumed that that's actually, because he said it, that that's what he was actually interested in. And so we spent a whole hour talking about how he could improve his business. And then right at the end, he said something like, yeah, the trouble is I won't be able to do any of this stuff because I'm terrified of talking to strangers. Which was the real thing he needed to be looking into. But because I dived on my assumption, we'd both missed it. Now that's a great example because he, what he said lined up with what he thought he was thinking, and yet it was still wrong. So no matter what evidence you're seeing from someone, what body language, what words they're using, 
you don't actually have a fucking clue what they're really thinking, what they really want, what they really need to be talking about. Because they don't even know. They've already lied to themselves. You're just seeing the, the consequence of that eternal lie. So assume that not only are you wrong, they are too. And it needs to be dug deeper before you can find it. Ask what they're thinking. Challenge your assumptions. One way you can do this is to say, so, if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is X, Y, and Z. Give your assumption to, give them what you think they said. And let them digest it, let them clarify it, let them correct it. The next point to address, trying to control their reactions. This is a simple one. Explore their reactions and let them play out. Use silence to allow a reaction to really be spent, to squeeze the juice out of it. So if someone, you can see someone getting upset, instead of trying to prevent that from happening, dive into it. You know, what, what usually happens is when you're in a conversation, you'll, you'll highlight the reactions you like and you'll kind of dismiss, ignore, or circumvent the reactions you don't like. So if someone's showing pleasure, you'll dive into that and explore that. And if someone's showing pain, you'll kind of skip over it, you'll try to replace it with pleasure. This is the controlling reactions thing. What you can do is the opposite. When someone so shows an interesting reaction that isn't in that safe scope of emotions that you feel so comfortable in, explore it. Call it out. Say, I noticed you, it looks like you're getting a bit upset. What's going on for you there? Not to fix it, but to actually enhance it. To really bring it out and let them play with it. You know, say, oh, you frowned when I was saying that. Let me just stop there. Like, what does that frown mean? Did I just piss you off or what's going on? Not as a way to fix it. I've really got to highlight that. This isn't a preempt to you explaining yourself, justifying, apologizing, or trying to repair their emotions in any way. You're going to let them be upset, be angry, hate you, whatever it is they need to feel. You're not only going to let it happen, you're going to drag it out. You're going to squeeze every drop of emotion out of that situation so it's totally spent, which, ironically, is also the best way for them to get past it if it's a unpleasant emotion. So if someone's angry at you, it's best to let them get all that anger out rather than have them bottle it up and then come and stab you the next week, you know. So explore their reactions, let them play out. Use silence. You don't have to respond straight away. Quite often when someone's finished speaking, they haven't really finished speaking. A couple of seconds of silence and you'll notice that they add more. And that's where the real gory detail comes out. Because they now feel safe that you're listening to them, that they can be a bit more truthful. And they've just heard themselves speak and they'll want to clarify it. The next point is when you stop listening to them and you listen to your assumptions instead, essentially dismissing the voice in your head and repaying attention is the way I put it. So you'll notice that your attention has been taken away from what they're saying and is being replaced with what you're assuming. And there's a process where you need to intervene. You simply say to yourself, wait, I'm probably wrong, and then you give your attention back to the person. You can do this outwardly as well. You can be like, well, I just got lost in some assumptions I was making about what you're saying. Can you repeat that? Let me hear you again. Or you can simply do it as an internal check-in process, which is kind of how I do it now. Whereas I notice that I've lost track of what someone's saying, I just kind of click to attention and go back to listening to them. And the point, the process here is you might have had a really good idea, a great comeback, a, an awesome response, and you have to let that thing die. You have to let yourself forget it. 
And that'll be the hard part for you. You'll be like, oh, I've got such a great way to answer what this person is saying. I wish they'd shut up so I can just share my awesomeness. Like, I'm about to blow them away. They're going to get a fucking boner after they hear what I have to say. You've got to let that thing go. You've got to say to yourself, you know what? It's great as an idea that is. Uh, they haven't finished speaking. They're not done yet, and I'm just going to have to let that thing die. If it really is that great, it will come back to me. But they're not done yet, so I'm not done. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not done listening yet. What I've found in coaching that's proven to be true over and over again is that the most important thing somebody has to say comes at the end of what they're saying. They lead up to it. There's a lot of foreplay before that. And if you jump in on that foreplay and you think that that's the full fucking, you're going to miss the point. People build up to a point, and then once they get there, you'll realize, wow, that actually wasn't where I thought they were going. Now, sometimes you'll be right. You're not always wrong. You just don't know when you're wrong. And the only way to figure it out is to actually let them speak and, and use the other uh, tactics of also challenging your assumptions and so on. So even when they're finished speaking, their voice in your head can still be wrong. Make sure you check in with them to find out what the truth is. So I do that a lot. I have to repay attention to people because I get lost in my own glorified ideas about where they're going. Judging them without realizing you're judging them. Noticing your judgments. This is a lifelong practice you have to work on. Uh, and, and then seeking to disprove them. Assuming you know nothing about anyone. So one thing you can do is you can run through a little mental check-in before you converse with somebody new. In fact, no, before you converse with anyone, because you already have a lot of presumptions around your friends and family too. And kind of ask yourself, like, if I really don't know anything about this person, what would I say? What would I ask? How would I listen? If I really wasn't sure I knew this person at all, if they had the potential to surprise me, you know, what would, what would I do? And to have a look at what you think you know about them. You know, if you, say, speak to a homeless person, do you assume that they lack intelligence? Do you assume that they're a drug addict? What judgments do you make about people? When you speak, if you're a man speaking to a woman, do you assume that she's emotional and doesn't like to speak in a rational way? If you're a woman speaking to a man, do you think he doesn't want to talk about his feelings? There's going to be assumptions you make about someone based on the stories you have attached to all the categories and stereotypes that you place on them. And you can be totally fucking wrong. One of the things I learned, you know, when I went to work at Corrections, was I did a, you know, I did a psychology degree, three years of exploring the human brain. And as soon as the first criminal offender sat in front of me, I realized that that three years was kind of for shit. Because it didn't matter what all the studies said and what all the trends were or what all the statistically significant facts were. This individual could be fucking anything. They could break all the rules. And until I gave them the potential to break those rules, uh, I restricted their ability to share with me. And if I restrict their ability, then I'm not going to get to know them and I won't be able to manage their risk or I won't be able to connect with them and help them in any real way. Assume you do make judgments about people. When you're meeting with someone and talking to them, assume you've already made some really stereotypical judgments, which could be better or worse. You might think they're better than they are. You might think they're worse than they are. You'll almost definitely be comparing them to yourself, and you'll always be trying to categorize them. You'll be trying to fit them into groups of people. Try your best to let them be a group of one. 
Let them redefine themselves in front of you. And the last thing is around sort of sticking with expert topics and rushing to an outcome, is let them redirect. When you're speaking, you lead the conversation. But when you're finished, they lead. That's how a real connection works. You can let them change the subject away from something you're comfortable with. Let them go away from something that would have prompted you to tell that really funny joke. Let them go somewhere you've never been before, somewhere you don't understand, somewhere that scares you. Let them redirect, rather than like holding on to a thread, trying to keep the topic going. If they change the topic, go with them, and lead them further down that rabbit hole, rather than trying to pull back and go back to that thing you were saying. Like you'll see if somebody, say, they get interrupted in the middle of a story, you'll see them wait 10 minutes, and then they'll try and start their story again. Say, like, nah, dude, your story's gone now. Say goodbye, you know, have your funeral. That that story is fucked now. You can, I don't know, maybe one day in the future it will come back, but now you've got to keep up with the program. Evolve with the conversation. It's like a tennis match. That's how I always think of a conversation. I hit the ball over, and then my job is fucking done. I have to wait for them to hit it back, and they can hit it anywhere they want. In practical terms, often this means making statements instead of asking questions. This isn't a fucking interview. Right? They're not about to work for you. You're not trying to explore whether or not they're part of an ISIS terrorist cell. Okay? They're a person. Share something about yourself, then stop speaking. It doesn't need to end with a question mark. You don't need to prompt them to go in any direction. Leave a silent space and let them hit that ball wherever they want. Stay silent as long as needed. You don't need to finish what you're saying with a question. You don't need to ask them about themselves ever. Ever. Just share about yourself and then give them the space to do the same. And if they ask you questions, call them out on it. Say, hey, look, this isn't a job interview. Tell me something about yourself. And get them to share. Let's wrap this up by making this as kind of simplistic as possible. What are the th most important things you need to focus on? I think there's four. The first one being mindset. The mindset that I try to refocus on before I interact with anyone, and I think this is the number one thing that allows me to connect with people so easily, is that I see them as just another human being just like me. Potentially a great connection, but first I have to let go of winning them, of controlling them, of having them love me, or be attracted to me, or support me. I have to let go of anything I want them to be, and just let them be the human that they are. I prompt myself often in a very conscious way before a conversation. If I'm a bit nervous about meeting someone or whatever, that's my warning sign that I've been prejudging, that I see them some, as something other than a normal human being. And so I'll check in, I'll say, remember, they're just a normal human being. I don't need to keep them in my life. They do not need to like me. I don't need to win anything here. Let's just see if we can connect. If not, so be it. So that's the first most important thing, and I think that one will change everything if you can live by it. And then there's the 3x model. So the next three factors are about my 3x model, which some of you may have heard of. And it's the three phases that you go through as you're interacting with someone. You explore, you engage, and then you release. And in sort of normal language, that means you think, you speak, and then you fucking shut up and listen. Now I like to start in the listen phase. So let them and let yourself react so what I mean by that is when you first start engaging with someone, allow yourself to notice the reactions you're having to them and allow them to have their reactions to you. Notice all of the reactions taking place and use that 
to prompt you to think of what to say next. Rather than try to stick to a topic, bounce off each other. You can have an entire conversation just about the emotional reactions you're noticing the other person have. It'll prompt up stories, it'll prompt uh, all sorts of ideas, opinions, philosophies. A whole conversation can emerge from just you talking about how you feel about each other. So start off by noticing that. Connections are emotional, not logical. If you want to discuss with the IT guy how to work with the engineer guy, sure. Rational and logical, step-by-step, linear conversation with a plan. There's a time and place for that. If you're trying to connect with someone deeply, think about it like connecting with a dog. You can't talk a dog into liking you. You just interact in an open, playful way, and the dog will either like you or it won't. You can't convince it otherwise. You just go where it goes. If it wants a pat, you pat it. If it runs away, you get playful, whatever. I'm losing the analogy a bit, but you get what I'm saying. So allow them to react, but don't undershare. Don't let them do all the work. There must always be a balanced reciprocation for a good connection to take place. So let them speak, but don't let them speak too much. Don't ask questions where they provide all the information. You can interrupt them if they're oversharing. The point is, is that you share an equal amount. Then once you've allowed them to react, you've allowed yourself to react... Think before you speak, but don't plan and strategize to try and control the conversation. Simply get in touch with the obvious truth that's taking place inside your mind. Now what I mean by the obvious truth is, in reaction to what you've noticed, you'll think something, you'll feel something, something will come up for you. It might be just an emotion like, wow, that makes me feel a bit nervous, or I'm excited, or I'm curious about that. Or it could be a story, ah, oh, that reminds me of the time where I did this, that, and the other. Or it could be an opinion, it's like, I think what this means, and so on. Or it could be an assumption, I'm pretty sure what they're saying is this. Whatever that obvious truth in your mind is, that's the thing you're looking for when you're curious, when you're in the explore phase of the 3X model, when you're thinking. You're not thinking as in trying to plan, you're thinking as in trying to notice what is the truth inside your head. So the next stage, of course, after that, is to share this truth. Speak honestly, but do not overshare. Say the obvious truth that comes to your mind, and then stop speaking. You don't need to cover an icing sugar. You don't need to expand on six other points to demonstrate it. You don't need to justify what you're saying. You don't need to follow with a question. Make your one point. Tell your one story. Share your one assumption, and then shut the fuck up and start over again. Let them react to that. That is essentially the breakdown of how I connect with people. There are a lot of, it took me many years of lessons to come to this point. Um, and I'm really, I'm not bragging or boasting when I say I can have deep connections with almost anyone. I don't want to have deep connections with almost anyone. There are a lot of people who are a bad fit for me. But through applying what I've learned, it opens up the space for natural, spontaneous connection to happen. And within sort of a few minutes of consciously applying this, I don't need to consciously apply it anymore. It just becomes natural, like talking with your best friend. I guess, really, if I had to simplify this totally, it would be as interact with everyone as if they're already your best friend. Hide nothing. Let them share whatever they want, and you'll see what happens. So I hope that was helpful. I hope you can apply it practically. It's always hard to kind of just talk about something and show you how you can do it. Practice makes perfect. If you don't go and practice this, then nothing's going to happen. Choose one thing where you think you're the weakest. Choose one thing uh, 
one point that you think is holding you back the most and focus all of your attention on trying to replace that with the more helpful thing to do and forget all the rest. And of course, if you want more help with this, get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz. I'll do my best to support you. And feel free to send me any questions or stories or examples or feedback. I'll catch you all next time. <laughs>